Hey everybody, welcome to the Fantasy Players Club. I'm your host, Levi Valentine, at Levi underscore Valentine on Twitter. Joining me is my co-host, Brent Hutt-Hutt-Hikus. Follow him at Brent Hikus, H-E-I-K-E-S, on Twitter. Brent, a huge week for football news, and especially today as we're recording this on September 1st, a lot of big stories breaking. Very big stories. It's awesome. It's it's that time of year. It's that time of year. I went outside this morning. It's kind of got that chill in the air. It's got it's football weather, so I'm ready for it. Nine days, and we have NFL football. Texas yep. Chiefs, I believe, is the opening Thursday night game. Yep. Can't wait for my uh, DraftKings um, showdown for <laughs> for that first game. No free ads, Brent. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you might want to avoid Leonard Fournette in your DraftKings uh, lineup the first week, Brent, if he's not able to find a new team because the Jaguars waived him, the team announced on Monday. And today, on Tuesday, he went unclaimed on waivers, and thus he is now a free agent. Uh, This move ends the tumultuous three-year run in which Fournette rushed for 2,631 yards and 17 touchdowns. Jaguars didn't pick up his fifth-year option during the offseason, actively pursued a trade over the past few months, it sounds like, uh, without being able to reach any sort of deal for even a late-round pick for Leonard Fournette in a trade. So as a result, he is now a free agent. Brent, who do you like in that Jacksonville backfield this year? Anybody? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. That's that's the question of the day. That's be the question of the week, probably. Um, we're choosing from Divino Zigbo, ex-Husker right there, James Robinson, undrafted free agent, Ryquel Armstead, fifth-round draft pick from last year from Temple, and Chris Thompson. Um, I think Chris Thompson will still have his role. I think he'll be the receiving back until he gets hurt because, I mean, he has an injury history. Uh, so I think it's mainly between Ozigbo, Robinson, and Armstead. Armstead – did sit out like two weeks earlier in August, so he because of COVID, so he missed about a half a month of um, he missed about a half a month of of practice. So I mean, it was all Zigbo, James Robinson, and Fournette during that time. So to me, I mean, it sounds like the re- I mean the reason why they dropped why they cut Fournette is because Zigbo or Robinson or Armstead looked the part, and they think that one of those guys is ready for a role. Um, honestly, I'm st- staying away from all three of them. If, if there's Ozigbo, Robinson, or Armstead at the end of a best ball, I'll take my chance on one of them. But if you really want me to draft one of them, I'll go my guy, Divino Zigbo. Yeah, I am kind of the same way. In redraft, I don't think I'm touching any of them, even with yeah. the late round pick. I, don't, I think it'll probably be – a running back by committee type situation where nobody gets enough volume to really be fantasy relevant, most likely. In Dynasty, maybe I would spend 5 to 10% on whichever one of those, if any, might be available in your first waiver wire run of the year if you have a free agent acquisition budget. Uh, just, you know, I'll throw a few bucks their way just as a stash, just in case. But I don't foresee that being worth a big spend as part of your free agent budget for the year or anything like that. So I, I don't see a lot of upside from a redraft or a dynasty perspective for any of these guys. Maybe one of them breaks out during the year and has a really good year and has some value, but longer term, I think they're probably 
can add somebody next year, next off season, either in the draft or one of the free agents uh, that'll be out there. We've talked before about how many good running backs are going to be free agents after this season. Uh, we saw Joe Mixon actually went off the table today as a potential free agent next year with his extension with the Bengals, which was awesome for him. Uh, that'll probably make his headaches go away, Brent, but uh, <laughs> it does take an option off the table for the Jaguars next year. So I, I don't foresee long-term value for any of them, but who knows? I mean, they have this year to prove it for each of those guys, and there's certainly going to be an opportunity there. But for fantasy purposes, I just don't see a lot of appeal. Um, what about Leonard Fournette, Brent? Would you take him and redraft now at this point? It'd have to be pretty late. Be, I even have him on a couple of my best ball teams. I mean, me and you, we, we both had him as our – redraft sleeper <laughs> we did so <laughs> i think jim kicked our butt that week yeah, um, neither of us were anticipating this <laughs> i don't think no no so um no unless he's there late i might take a shot at him i guess the longer he waits to choose a team i mean the less the more likely he's not going to be playing week one maybe even week two so i mean those are two weeks where you won't be using him um, I probably won't be having him on, on any of my teams. I, I, I mean, it, him and Devontae Freeman are out there as free agents. I see Devontae Freeman late, getting drafted late in best balls, and maybe eventually we'll see Leonard Fournette hang out down there too if, if the longer he, he waits to sign with somebody. So I'm staying away from him and redraft too. Yeah, I think the only way I'd take him is in the double-digit rounds and maybe a 10- or 12-team league and redraft it because I do think there is a decent chance that he ends up in a good situation for fantasy purposes. And some of those guys we like as sleepers potentially could be displaced by Leonard Fournette signing uh, with their team. And so I think there is a chance that he does have some value for fantasy this season, depending on where he lands. And I think he will land with a team and probably a team where he's going to get a significant share of the workload, wherever that ends up being. Uh, How nervous are you that Kansas City takes a shot at him if they can get him for a low-cost deal? I'm not nervous about that. As a Chiefs fan, I'd be happy with it. It does drop Clyde Edwards-Hilaire value a little bit, maybe out of the first round. But still, he's right there on the fringe in the second round. He's, Edward Solaire will still have his role, and he'll still get his catches. And I never, I never expected Edward Solaire to get more than 14, 15 carries a game. So, I mean, we'll let Fournette have those touches if he wants to get – if they want to pick him up. So, I, I'm not too worried. Yeah. Well, and we all know how you love those timeshares, Brent. So, that'd probably be <laughs> even better for you. <laughs> true. Very true. So if you have Fournette on your roster in Dynasty, are you just holding at this point, Brent, and waiting to see where he lands? Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything crazy right now and try to trade him because he could get picked up by somebody like the Chiefs. And what if Edwards Hilaire gets hurt? So he has a huge role in a great offense. So I, yeah. I wouldn't trade I wouldn't trade him right now. Another potential landing spot that would be really juicy is Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because we think that offense is gonna be really good. We could potentially it, you know, there's not a lot of competition there between Ronald Jones and and uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. I think he could overtake those two pretty easily and be the primary back on that offense. And I don't think touchdowns would be an issue for him this season if he ended up being the lead back there. But that would be interesting. It'll be really interesting to see where he lands. And I, I do think that there is a chance that people who drafted 
already and took a shot on Leonard Fournette in the first three to five rounds could get bailed out uh, depending on where he lands. But I, I'm really interested to see. Uh, so if, if, got a question for you. If you were to take a guess, what team does it go to? I feel like the ones that make the most sense are the playoff teams, the contenders who don't have a clear established lead back and would be willing to take a shot on him for minimal money for a one-year deal just to get a chance for him to rehabilitate his image and his value and potentially for the team to go win a championship. And so you look at those teams, we mentioned Tampa Bay, we mentioned Kansas City, you threw out Philadelphia, which I hope doesn't happen, but I think it's a possibility. It is. Uh, Any others that you like out there, Brent? I got one for you. It's your favorite team, the Tennessee Titans. Interesting. What do you think of that? Can you imagine Fournette and Henry on the same team? No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just something to think about. I I thought about that today. I'm like, oof. I don't know. It's – I'm not saying that I expect that to happen, but I just thought like that'd be pretty cool. But, but yeah. yeah, I think the likely the likely places are like the Eagles, and I heard a rumor about the Chiefs, um, the Houston Texans. But I don't know. And they're spending a lot of money on their backfield already, so I don't know if they want to get something else at Houston. So what about what about the Bears or the Patriots? Oh yeah, yeah, the, the Bears too. The Bears too, definitely. Because I mean, all they have is David Montgomery and. That's about it. And they have a receiver, I guess, that's playing backup, Cordell Patterson. Yeah. So the Patriots, um, potentially. Um, they have a history there with rehabilitating. Yeah, they, they, do have a his, they do have a history, but how many running backs do they need on their roster? And, and if, Damian, if Damian Harris is really doing that well, um, I don't see them wasting any time with Leonard Fournette. Yeah. They just don't have a true workhorse in that offense. So, I don't know. We'll see. I think that's – possibility beyond that uh let's see are there any others that stick out Uh, you you can't rule out pete carroll houston yeah (laughs) never underestimate bill o'brien um Uh, maybe the steelers but i don't know what if the saints got trade alvin Kamara, which was a rumor today (laughs) along along with that rumor they were talking to devontae freeman too so yeah. I don't know. It's it's going to be a crazy next week, I think. It's going to be fun, though. Yeah, there are a lot of possibilities. I mean, then you have, like, San Francisco, Seattle, L.A., out west are all potential. I don't know. There's a lot of spots where you can kind of make a case. Some of those we listed are probably a little more likely than others, but it'll be interesting. He's going to uh, ruin somebody's fantasy yeah. hopes for the season, that's for sure. I, I just hope it's not at Buffalo Bills. <laughs> 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 oh man i hope that, it is actually that would help me a lot in our bet <laughs> that might be that, you? <laughs> that would probably put a bow on you going through the table instead of me yes. so i'd be okay with that one <laughs> yeah I, I might as well jump on the table now that, that was okay. <laughs> all right let's move on to our second headline brett uh and this one is not quite as fun to talk about, but it is something I think worth noting. So with the lingering uncertainty surrounding the coronavirus pandemic and the prospect of trying to hold the college football season during it, many players around the country have decided not to play in 2020. 
some players have been high caliber NFL prospects trying to avoid any risks that they could affect their draft stock. Others voice various concerns, both health related and for other reasons about playing uh, despite the various safety protocols conferences have attempted to put in place. Uh, and to date, as of today, or when I looked earlier today, there were 45 confirmed opt-outs so far, including a group of 10 players from UCF they announced today. And that's from a list Yahoo maintains. Uh, but the most relevant ones for fantasy purposes, Brent, were uh, by position here, just real briefly, were at running back Kenny Gainwell and Kennedy Brooks uh, from Memphis and Oklahoma, respectively. And then a wide receiver, of course, we had the huge one this past week with Jamar Chase. And then previously we had Rondale Moore and Rashad Bateman, both from the Big Ten. Uh, and then we also had Sage Surratt from Wake Forest and Warren Jackson from Colorado State who have opted out. And there haven't really been any quarterbacks or tight ends of note yet. Uh, but Brent, how do you think this impacts these players' value in Debbie? In Debbie, I mean, not too much unless you're in a campus to Canton League because sure. um, so, you're not going to be using them this year. And, I mean, the biggest thing is will it affect their draft position? And for some, I think it will. Um, and, it, and it could affect their draft, draft position positively too, though. Um, I would say someone like Jamar Chase, I would say that it's probably, a, probably not a bad idea that he did this. Because I think coming coming in after after this year, I think he's still going to be the number one receiver. He's not going to get injured. He's not going to lose any value because you know he's not going to have as good as a year as he did last year. Um, Rashad Bateman, again, I think he stays around top two or three receivers. Rondell Moore, I don't know. He, he might have hurt it a little bit because he didn't play much last year. But um, But the running backs, I don't know. I'd say maybe maybe for Gainwell and Brooks, it could have improved their draft stock if they would have if they would have played. But I don't think it's going to change that much. Um, if I don't know if you remember this, back in 2004, Mike Williams from USC, he he didn't play his junior year because he tried to go to the NFL um, his after his sophomore year, his true sophomore year. And he was drafted 10th. It didn't hurt his draft stock because he missed the whole year. And he ended up only getting 29 catches for 350 yards. So, and then he ended up being a bust in the NFL. So, I mean, if you look at that, you might say, ooh, this guy missed a year of college football. Maybe he takes the Mike Williams route. I don't think that's how it's going to be for these guys. I think Mike Williams was an exception um, to the rule. So, I mean, I, I I don't see it affecting their draft stock too much, maybe a little bit, but it could be positive or negative. What are your thoughts? Yeah, with Mike Williams, I don't know that it was necessarily that he sat out, that he ended up being a bust. It was probably just because he was a bust, destined to be a bust regardless. <laughs> I don't know if playing another year against you know, those Pac-12 teams would have made a difference. And I feel the same way for Jamar Chase. Like you mentioned, Brent, his huge year last year, 1,780 yards last season. Uh, on 84 catches, 20 touchdowns. There was no way he was going to come back and match or exceed those numbers without Joe Burrow and, you know, Joe Brady and all of the other people involved in making that offense what it was last season. So for him, I think there was probably nowhere for his stock to go but down. On the running back side, I think Candy Brooks probably could have improved his stock by playing this season and having a really big year. You know, we saw what happened with 
uh, the running back who went to Ohio State, whose name escapes me, Brent. Uh, Trey, Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon, who went to Ohio State. Uh, and that was going to make Kenny Brooks the lead back in that offense for the really the first time he hasn't had to share the workload uh, for Oklahoma. And so he missed that opportunity by opting not to play this season. And I don't think he's announced whether he's going pro or whether he's going to come back because he is, I think, a redshirt. This was supposed to be his redshirt junior year. So he does have one more year of eligibility if he decides to come back. But so for him and for Kenny Gainwell, I think there's potential that they could have improved their stock a little bit. Like we mentioned, especially for Rondale Moore, Rashad Bateman, and Jamar Chase, I don't think there was anywhere to go but down probably for those three since they are three of the top receivers on draft boards at yeah. this point. So yeah. a little more understandable for them, or a little less of an impact, I think. Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Do you expect any more players to opt out at this point, Brent? Significant ones? Um, maybe. I mean, I don't think really significant ones. I mean, I think they would have they would have done this by now. Maybe I guess if the Big Ten does play in October, maybe the Big Ten gets a couple, like maybe in the middle of September. But it's it's about time for like especially the Big Twelve. They should those guys should be ready to play um, unless it's some some random deal um but i don't i don't see any more really I mean, we might get a few but i don't think they'll be that significant yeah i'm kind of surprised that we didn't see more i mean we've seen quite a few from lsu but nobody really like anashi harris or uh you know Devonte smith or jalen waddle from alabama or travis Etienne or trevor lawrence from clemson i don't know i don't know if that's because they feel like they have a chance to compete for a championship this year and they think that's worth it. Or if Dabo and Nick Saban are dishing out the hundred dollar bills or what's going on there. <laughs> but for some reason, players from those teams have chosen to stick around. So I don't know, I guess, I think if it was going to happen, it probably would have by this point, but we are still seeing these start to trickle in. I mean, Jamar Chase, like we said, was just a few days ago. So yeah. there's potential there for some other players to, yeah. And we talked about this earlier this week, too. Um, we might see this more often at the beginning of college football. I mean, it, or I guess not at the beginning. It's just maybe these guys will take the year off and not risk the the possibility of getting injured, and they'll just take that that their their third year off. As I mean, if the NFL won't allow players to to come in before their third year after high school graduation – we might see this. Yeah, I mean, maybe they'll maybe they'll play in the XFL. So who knows? Yeah, who knows? It's certainly going to be interesting. And there, it's you don't have to look too hard to find players who probably would have benefited by either sitting out or being able to go pro after their freshman sophomore years. Like last year, Tua sticks out particularly. Like he probably would have been just as high of a pick after his sophomore year, if not higher than what he ended up being, and he wouldn't have had that injury that he ended up suffering and so it's there's risk with these players who have these elite seasons in their freshman or sophomore years and are high NFL draft pick potentially or likely at that point and who choose to play additional seasons in college because either the perception changes of what they can or can't do uh, or they have the injury risk, of course. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we start to see more players choose to just take that third year from high school and work out on their own and 
with you know the trainers like they do typically after their after they declare for the draft anyway and just take a whole year and do that it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see yeah i agree all right brett we have a special ad tonight that trevin submitted for us and so we'll go ahead and play that for you i think this is one you really need to hear brett this is a product you might be interested in oh boy it happens to everyone even the most intelligent people in the world we all will eventually say something breathtakingly stupid. Taysom Hill. The people around you will eventually move on, but you can't get the thought out of your mind. Taysom Hill. Days, weeks, and even years later, you'll find yourself continue to replay the dumb thing in your head. Taysom Hill. I'm here to introduce you to Eraser Pills, the quick and easy pill that will make you forget the dumb thing you said. Taysom Hill. These thoughts will get to be too much if not addressed. It will affect your work productivity and destroy your sleep schedule. Replaying the dumb thing you said over and over and over and over. Sometimes it will be all you think about. There used to be no way to make it stop. A man would go insane if he had to keep reliving a specific dumb thing he said. Until this eraser pill, that is. A small side effect, it will erase your entire prior two weeks of memory. There is no way to take back the dumb thing you said. The people you said the dumb thing to will always remember. At least you can stop reliving the moment in your own head. Full disclaimer, these are roofies. Go buy eraser pills today. Taysom Hill. Oh man, I'm going to give you guys so much crap in January 2022. And we're watching Taysom Hill playing the playoffs at quarterback. Uh, I can't wait, Brad. You know, it's it's hilarious and very timely that the Saints are now apparently considering trading Alvin Kamara uh, because they don't want to pay him the few extra million they have despite giving Taysom Hill his, what do you have, two-year, $27 million deal. I think it was 22. (laughs) So instead of paying, you know, Alvin Kamara, they're paying Taysom Hill. Well, he was the best player on the field in that last playoff game. <laughs> According to Brent. According to a lot of people. Come Many on. people are saying he's the best player on the field, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> Two years, 21 million total. I just looked it up. Yeah. Uh, if I'm looking at this right. Uh, 16 million guaranteed. Wow. He did. He deserves it. Uh, <laughs> Brent, have you been having nightmares about that the last week? Just replaying it over and over in your mind? Do you need some eraser pills to help you? No, I just, I, I've just been thinking about the future. All the all the crow you guys are going to eat after, after watching Taysom Hill lead, lead the Saints to the playoffs. Well... I will put aside some eraser pills for you, Brent. So that <laughs> when, when your dreams don't come to fruition, you can forget about that. <laughs> All right. That call you made this year. <laughs> Shall we hop into the main event? Let's do it. And now for our main event. All right. In tonight's main event, we are giving our bold predictions for the 2020 fantasy football season, Brent. We each have three predictions. Would you like to go first or second, Brent? 
I'll let you go first this time. All right. I will be happy to go first. And my first bold prediction for this season is Christian McCaffrey becomes the first player to finish as the top fantasy running back in PPR scoring in back-to-back seasons since – who do you think, Brent? Priest Holmes. Priest Holmes. They- in 2002, 2003. <laughs> wow. I am impressed, Brent. What can I say? What can I say? That well done. That is bonus <laughs> points right there. Uh, I almost I almost corrected myself and said Tomlinson, but so I'll Tomlinson take did repeat, but it was not in PPR scoring. It was in okay. standard. So I think it was like oh seven, oh eight, or oh six, or oh seven, or something like that. So for PPR scoring, it's been. 18, 17 years since we've had a repeat our running back one uh, back-to-back years. And so just real briefly, in 2019, Christian McCaffrey outscored Aaron Jones, who finished his running back two, by 156 points, Brent. 471 points for McCaffrey, 314 for Aaron Jones. Here's some fun facts for you. Christian McCaffrey could have had zero rushing yards instead of 1,387 and still finishes running back one by 17 points. <laughs> That's he could, crazy. He could have had zero touchdowns instead of the 19 that he had, both rushing and receiving, and still finished his running back one by 42 points. Huh. He could have had half as many rushing and receiving yards as he did and still finished as running back one by 36 points. McCaffrey was running back two in 2018, so he damn near pulled this off already. He finished 0.3 points behind Saquon Barkley in PPR scoring in 2018. So we're going on three years where he, Christian McCaffrey, if he can deliver this year, would potentially, if my bold prediction comes true, would essentially be the top running back three consecutive years in a row in fantasy. He's unreal, Brent, unreal. So that's my first bold prediction. I like it. I like it. No complaints. Um, I I mean, if you were to ask me who is going to be the number one PPR fantasy player, I'd say McCaffrey too. So I like it. Good job. And I didn't realize I didn't realize it's been almost twenty years since the last person that's that's done that. Yeah, pretty crazy. Cool. Dang. What's your right. first bold prediction, Brent? My bold prediction is Joe Burrow is going to be a QB one this year. Going to be a QB one. The magic from last year will not stop. It'll keep on going. I'm thinking around 4,200 yards, 28 touchdowns, another 200 rushing, and maybe another three to five rushing touchdowns. And in turn, it's going to make Tyler Boyd into a wide receiver one. Um, he can possibly get 100 plus catches, 1,200 yards, seven to nine touchdowns. Um, Joe Mixon's going to have a big year because of that offense. Auden Tate sounds like the sounds like a I mean a big star of the training camp so far. He's gonna have a big year. AJ Green, if he's healthy, if he wants to hang around and and play the whole year, he's gonna have a huge year. T. Higgins, John Ross, John Ross, that'll probably depend on if AJ Green wants to play or not. Um, but they could have big years too. I think I just think I don't think the Bengals will really be that good. I can see them only winning maybe six or seven games, but they're going to score some points, and Burrow's going to really score a lot of fantasy points. So I'm thinking big things for Burrow, and not just this year. I think he's going to end up being a really good quarterback, and he'll be a quarterback one for a long time. 
when you say quarterback one, are you thinking 12-team leagues? So he'll be top yeah. 12 quarterback? Yeah, top 12. Top 12. And I, I think he can honestly be maybe at least seven or eight or, or better. Well, let's beef up this bold prediction then, Brent. Do you want to say top eight? Top six? How I mean, bold? He, he's get, He's getting picked around 19th right now. I feel like it's pretty bold for me to to say top 12. Okay. But I'm just giving you a chance I'm, to be more daring. These are just for fun, Brent. <laughs> okay. I, I get it. I get it. Um, I, I'm, I think he has the potential to be top seven or eight. Guarantee that he'll be in the top 12. Guarantee. That's what we're looking for, Brent. All right. <laughs> I'll go with my second one then. And this one – is why I was desperately trying to wrap up our negotiations before we recorded tonight, Brent, because <laughs> I was trying to trade for this player from you. But okay. my second okay. bold prediction is DJ Chark finishes as a top five wide receiver. He's currently going as wide receiver 26 in ESPN ADP. He was wide receiver 17 last season, so he already exceeded his ADP by a significant amount. He's going into year three in an offense where the other options in the passing game are either unproven or just awful, Brent. Obviously, we think LaVisca Chenault is going to be good, but he is just a rookie. The other options are D.D. Westbrook, Chris Conley, Keelan Cole, and Tyler Eifert. The backs, Chris Thompson, we mentioned this earlier at the top when we talked about Leonard Fournette, uh, Reckwell Armstead, Divino Zigbo, James Robinson. So, I mean, we like Chris Thompson to get some work in the passing game, but Leonard Fournette got a ton last year, and there just aren't a lot of other options. And so I think that DJ Chark is going to get a ton of volume in this offense because this team is going to be so bad. They're going to have to throw a ton. DJ Chark is by far the most attractive option in the passing game. Everything's set up for him to smash this season, which puts top five wide receiver in his range of outcomes. So that's my second bold prediction, Brent. DJ Chark, top five wide receiver. Good one. I, I like it too. It's I, I wouldn't say top five, but I, mean, I think he could definitely get close, and he definitely can be in the top five. It, what's shocking to me, okay, DJ Shark, young receiver, bad offense last year. He had Gardner Minshew as his quarterback. He was wide receiver 17, you said, at the end of the year, and he's getting drafted at wide receiver 26 right now. What is wrong with, with these people letting him slip that far? That doesn't make any sense to me at all. I mean, draft DJ Shark at least in the top 15. I mean, goodness gracious. But yeah. yeah, I mean, his his draft position is not where it should be. I mean, he's been on a lot of my um, best balls. Draft DJ Shark, guys. Come on. He's going to have a big year. Um, maybe not as big as what, I, what you think, but, I mean, if he's close to that, I mean, geez, draft him. Yeah, we're going bold here, Brent. I got to yeah, be bold. bold. All, all I'm saying is I think that's in his range of outcomes. Is it likely? No, but that's why it's a bold prediction, right? And so yeah. top five wide receiver, that's my bold prediction for DJ Chark this year. But, yeah, go get him. Where he's being drafted, I think there's a very strong likelihood that he'll out-earn that ADP. And so oh, yeah. wide receiver 26, he already did it once. There's nothing that would say indicate that he won't do that or better this season. Go get him, people. All right, Brent, your second one. Hit me. All right, you might hate me for this one. And I'm kind of giving myself a little leeway by naming two players on this. And this is kind of a dynasty bowl prediction too. DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor will be a bust in the NFL. 
How are we defining best? Um, just maybe not being in the NFL in the next four years or so. Wow. Uh, kind of like, I, I mean, like a Trent Richardson type player, Lawrence Maroney type player. Uh, I, I mean, Rashad Penny type player. I, I know you're still holding on hope with Penny. Um, but, I mean, that type of player where he's just doesn't cut – not cut out to be a full-time running back after two or three years and eventually out of the league after about four or five years. Um, DeAndre, I know this doesn't mean much for Dynasty, but Swift has already missed over a week of practice last week. Um, he was never really the guy at Georgia. His, I mean, he, he, he – I mean, yeah, he had a good year his, his senior year. Um, he only averaged 14 carries per game last year. And if you're the guy at an SEC school at Georgia who liked to run the ball, um, 14 carries a game is not – I mean, it's nothing to brag about. And, I mean, for the Lions, are they going to – I mean, are they going to give him 14 carries a game or more? And he's got to – I mean, if he's going to be fantasy relevant, he's got to be. I know he'll get some catches, but I don't know. If, you, if, the, if the Georgia – doesn't think he's the guy who can handle a big load. I don't see how he can do it in, at Detroit. Um, I mean, if you want to look to his sophomore year, only 11 carries per game. So he, he's, not guy, he's not a guy that gets a lot of touches. Um, he can catch a ball. I'll give him that. But we'll see what happens. The Lions have a horrible history of drafting running backs. Um, I was looking through a bunch of them in the last 20 years. It's, it's comical. Um, Amir Abdullah, I, I didn't write the list down. I'm just going off the top of my head. Amir Abdullah, Javid Best, um, Carrion Johnson. Uh, uh, what's his name from Illinois? LaShore, Michael LaShore, Kevin Smith. And, and there's more. <laughs> there's plenty more. that They have not had any luck, and I'm really starting to think that DeAndre Swift could be – in, on that list soon. I know Colin will hate me for that, but there's a good chance he could be, and and there's a good chance he could he could stand out. That's why that's why I threw Jonathan Taylor in this. In this in the <laughs> He's just your fallback. Yeah. So yeah. obviously, you think it's more likely that Swift is out of the NFL um, than Taylor. Uh, well, let, let me let me talk about Jonathan Taylor a little bit. Okay. Before um, we move on he, to Taylor, can I talk about? Yeah, can yeah. I get my comments in about Swift? Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned his lack of carries or I guess a modest amount of carries he received at Georgia I would push back a little bit on that because I think some of that's just how Georgia likes to use their running backs and I think that's part of the recruiting pitch they use is hey we're not going to give you a ton of carries and you're going to have a lot of tread left on your tire for when you eventually go to the NFL and so I think some of it is that if you look back DeAndre Swift's freshman year they had Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb ahead of him on the depth chart and DeAndre Swift still got 81 carries that year had 600 yards uh, Nick Chubb Led that backfield that year. Guess how many carries he averaged per game? 15. 15? Okay. <laughs> so he turned out to be pretty good in the NFL. And Sonny Michelle, we don't have, feel great about, but he's done okay for what you would, you know. It's not like he was a total bust, I guess is what yeah. I should say. And so okay. then you look at 2018, his sophomore season, he was the lead back there, but it was pretty much an even carry split with Elijah Holyfield, who didn't turn out to do much. But – I think when you look at what 
uh, DeAndre Swift does in the receiving game. That's kind of where he sets himself apart on some of those two, is he does get a good amount of touches. He had 32 catches that year, uh, his sophomore year, which was the first year he really kind of started to assume control of that backfield. And then last year, uh, you look at he had another 24 catches, and he had 196 carries, as you mentioned, Brian, compared to 103 for Brian Herrien, who was the next – next uh, highest carry total on back. So I think some of that is just the way Georgia likes to use their running backs. I don't think it's necessarily a bad reflection on Swift. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to, I don't, you could definitely be right, but I'm probably a little more optimistic about you are than Swift and it is a bold prediction. So I will let you carry on Brown. Hit me with your Jonathan Taylor. Okay, and, and, so, and something, and that, that was kind of my point is that Swift is never really, proven it not even at college that he can handle a big load so and Nick Chubb I think he has another year to prove to me that he's he's a stud in the NFL so I'll go on to Jonathan Taylor and like I said with Taylor he's he's already had a big workload at Wisconsin um things like over a thousand touches or or not close almost a thousand touches in in three years um and and the problem with him in college was his fumbling, his ball security issues. He had he fumbled 18 times in his three-year career at, at Wisconsin. In 2019 alone, he lost five fumbles. That's that's not good. That 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 is officially a problem. Um, maybe Indianapolis can help him out with that, and maybe maybe they can improve and um, help him out with his ball security problem. But we'll see. I mean, he is a rookie, so we will see. And Indianapolis beat writers lately I've been saying that Naheem Hines is all over the field making plays and is playing a lot. Phillip Rivers is checking down to him frequently. Phillip Rivers, listen to this crazy stat. Phillip Rivers has had a long career, hasn't he? Very long. Um, <laughs> he has as many nev- years in the NFL as he has kids. <laughs> <laughs> he, he has never targeted his running backs less than 100 times. So I don't think he's going to be targeting, targeting Jonathan Taylor there. Hines will get a lot of touches, and maybe even Mack will get a lot of touches. And I, I feel the Colts know what they have in Mack, and, and I feel they do trust him a bit. Um, they need Jonathan Taylor. Yes, they do. I'll, I'll give them that. But there is a possibility that John, Jonathan Taylor is not good. He's not going to see those holes that he saw at Wisconsin. Let me, let me show you these stats here. And I know this might not mean much, but I looked at his game logs the last three years. He got one-fifth of his total yards of 6,000. He had a little over 6,000. One-fifth was – yeah, that's good. I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, but in his three games against Nebraska, 249 yards, 221, 204. Nebraska's defense has not been good the last three years. And there's other games – Against Kent State, he gets close to 200. Florida Atlantic, around 250. New Mexico, around 250. That's right there is almost like 1,200 yards right there, and that's one-fifth of his total career yards just in six games against crappy defenses. So I think we have to watch out with what Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor did at Wisconsin. Um, in a way, he kind of reminds me of Monty Ball, another – running back that busted maybe seven, eight years ago from Wisconsin, who's used to the big holes. I mean, I get it. Jonathan Taylor is a freak. He's fast. He's big. What, I mean, I saw that picture of him 
couple weeks ago. Yes, he looks like a damn freak. <laughs> but, but I think that you have to you have to think that he, there is a possibility that he could be a bust. And honestly, I'm about 50-50 on both of these guys. So that means one of them has got to be a bust, and one of them will probably hit. I just don't know who it is. You're 50-50 that will – on them either being a bust or being good or yeah. 50, 50. Yep. 50 feet 50-50 on being a bust or not being a bust just because they're not a bust doesn't mean right they're gonna be good right and they they might be good too so i i don't know I, honestly i hope i'm wrong on this prediction because I, I like both of them I, I always root for the big 10 players and deandre swift he, he's a fun player to watch so i don't i just have a bad feeling about both of them yeah. For me, the thing with Jonathan Taylor is, regardless of how big the holes are, what he did in college football over three seasons, averaging 2,000 yards, over 2,000 yards a season is just unprecedented, really. Uh, I, the other thing that really separates them, though, I think is probably a little more relevant is just Monte Ball was not nearly the athlete that Jonathan Taylor is. And so they had both had very good production. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor's was a lot was better. Uh, but the difference is Jonathan Taylor ran a four three nine forty. Monte Ball ran a four six one. Jonathan Taylor didn't have near as much burst or agility based on his te- testing. Jonathan Taylor's in the seventy first and sixty sixth percentiles for each of those. So I think in that regard, both from a production and from a athleticism standpoint, Jonathan Taylor is much better. And I think probably also just better at football with his vision and things like that. Also, but. There is certainly risk, and there is certainly precedent there, as you pointed out, between him and then obviously Melvin Gordon's been serviceable, but we've talked in this podcast about how a lot of Melvin Gordon's value has been derived from volume and not necessarily efficiency. And So, yeah, you're right. There is a history there with Wisconsin running backs of not being elite in the NFL, uh, and maybe Jonathan Taylor doesn't deliver that either, but I – Sure, hope he does. <laughs> I hope you're wrong, Brent. <laughs> we'll see. But that's a, that is very oh, bold so of you I. to predict that one of those two will be out of the league in what'd you say, three to four years? <laughs> um, I'm. We'll say four. We'll say four. Okay, that's a good bold prediction. All right, we're ready for my last one. Yeah. Speaking of the Big Ten, T.J. Hawkinson finishes as a top three tight end this season. Ooh, damn. We're going like bold it. here, Brett. Yes, yeah. I like it. <laughs> so he's currently going as tight end 13 in ESPN ADP. Tight end three minish, means he finishes higher than at least one of Kittle, Kelsey, and Andrews, Brett, who are, you know, the kind of the consensus top three this season. Uh, I think this offense is going to be better than people think. I think TJ Hawkinson offers everything you could ask for in tight end from both an athleticism standpoint, from a blocking and receiving standpoint. It's going into year two, has Matt Stafford back at quarterback. We've talked quite a bit about Matt Stafford on this podcast and how optimistic I am for him this season. I think he has other weapons in that offense between, you know, we just talked about DeAndre Swift and then uh, at receiver they have Marvin Jones Jr. and uh, Kenny Galladay on the outside to open things up over the middle for TJ Hawkinson. And so, yeah, I think they're – is going to be enough work there for him to get it. And I think he has the skills to, in his second year, take a step forward and really deliver an elite type season. Be this year's Mark Andrews, Brent. That's really what I have in mind for TJ Hawkinson this year. So that's my bold prediction uh, for my final, my final pick this year. 
I love it. I, I own a lot of TJ Hawkinson shares. I'm a little worried about his injury. Everybody's saying that he's not quite healthy yet. But I definitely think a top 10 tight end season is in store for him. But top three would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think tight end – top 10 is a safe play, but we're going bold here, Brent. So top three. Yeah. Give me top three. Come on, Hawkinson. I'll take it. All right. Hit me with your last one. <sighs> I mean – uh, this one doesn't feel so cool anymore after that one. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, this one's kind of boring, I guess. I shouldn't have saved it for my last one. Um, Case Keenum will get more fantasy points than Baker Mayfield this year. Okay. It could be because Baker is benched or injured. I don't care. I mean, I think if he gets injured, he'll probably get benched. He would have been benched later on in the year anyway. I just don't see Baker Mayfield finishing out the year at Cleveland Browns, and he might not be back there next year. He might end up being a, a backup somewhere else next year too. So I think Keenum will actually thrive in this offense. He, he's proven that he can be a pretty good quarterback and on not-so-good offenses. And this offense is by far the best offense that he's ever going to play in. And it depends on when Baker gets benched or injured – but Keenum could have such a big turnaround for the Browns. It could actually get the Cleveland Browns maybe talking playoffs by the end of the year. So I think Keenum, we're not done here in case Keenum's name. Um, I think it's going to be um, Keenum maybe around by week seven, maybe six, maybe eight. But I, I do think that um, – he'll have more definitely more fantasy points than Baker Mayfield and and I've always liked Baker Baker Mayfield I just from what I've seen of him in the NFL it looks like he's not he's not an NFL quarterback which which is horrible because I was a big fan of Baker Mayfield coming into the NFL I thought he can do some damage but I was wrong on that one so I mean I'm done with Baker Mayfield I traded him in one of my dynasties I really like what I got back in, in the trades. So that's my, that's my, that's my third, that's my third bold prediction. What do you think? It's definitely bold. I think you're right for Keenum to outscore him. Mayfield's going to have to be benched by halfway through the season or less. Well, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I'm not as down on Baker as you are. I, I, but it's a bold prediction. So I'll yeah. let you run with it. Yeah. That was fun. Cool. I enjoyed this. We had some pretty bold takes. It'll be fun to look back on these in the year and see how many we hit on yeah. at the end of the year. Yeah. A little bit. All right. In our fantasy lifeline tonight, we're going to answer a question from Mitchell Allen on Twitter at the Mitch Allen. Uh, Mitchell says, I've got some buddies in like 10 fantasy leagues. What's the optimal number of leagues to be in at one time? And what's the most you've been in at one time? Brent, you've been playing fantasy football for a long time. How many leagues are you in? Well, let's see. I'm in four dynasties, and that's by far the most – I mean, that's my most dynasties I've ever been in. I just started a new one this year. And I'm usually in one redraft every year, so five. But if we count best balls, last year <laughs> I was probably in 80 best ball leagues. 80? With, yeah, 80. Holy smokes. So the, the thing is with best ball, all you do is draft and let the lineup sit. So, I, I mean, thankfully I didn't have to do any 
um, lineup changes or trades or free agent pickups. All I do is draft, and I mean, that's why I like best balls. I mean, you just do a draft, and I mean, and you can check your shares. Like for example, if I did eighty, if I did eighty uh, best ball leagues last year, I used the draft app, and it'll show you how many shares of players I had. I remember last year I had like um, like close to fifty shares of Kyler Murray in those best ball drafts. So it, I always like that best ball draft. I, I still, because FanDuel and DraftKings now has best ball. Um, so I don't like it as much as the draft app, but I mean, I, I, I mean, the reason why I did it is because I, I'm a teacher. I have summers off. So a lot, a lot of the times I was sitting outside start a fire with the wife and everything and the kids. And then they go inside to go to bed and I stay outside to put the fire out. And I, there's plenty of times where I just sat out there and just drafted on that, on that draft app. And, so what um, are the had a lot of fun doing it. So real briefly, best ball for people who may not know, you draft a team and then you don't do any transactions all year and you're, yep. you play the season out and your wins. Are, it basically sets your lineup to the best possible lineup. Yep. And then whichever team has the better, higher score based on their best possible lineup wins their matchup that week, right? Uh, no, it's, it doesn't go by week. It goes by okay. year. Okay. So it's whoever has the most total points for the year in your league? Yep. Yep. Okay. yep. And it, it goes week by week. It, it takes the best – the top-scoring quarterback. Um, out of just, I usually draft around three quarterbacks. It takes the top-scoring quarterback and then the top two running backs out of my running back group. And it keeps that week by week, but it adds it up every, I mean, for 16 right. weeks. Yeah. So, And then for these 80 leagues that you were in, was there a buy-in for each one of these, or were some free and yeah. some paid? Um, I mean, I did a lot of $1 ones because I just wanted to, wanted to, to um, just draft. But I mean, they're, they're either probably at least over half of them were probably $1 ones. There's – $20 ones that I did and maybe about 10 of those and maybe another 10, $10 ones. So I, I had fun doing it. It was, I, I know, I mean, after that I probably spent a couple hundred bucks, I probably won a little under a couple hundred bucks. So I, I definitely paid more than, than what I did. Yeah. Um, but I mean, th there's people that definitely get more than what they pay. So that's why I like this ball. It's, it's, it's fun. Okay. And so how many are you in this year? Um, well, I just started doing it in August because DraftKings just started doing it August 1st because FanDuel, they bought out the draft app and they didn't do best balls until like the middle of August for some stupid reason. Um, so I've probably done maybe 10 or 12 so far this year. Gotcha. Well, good luck. So you're in four <laughs> dynasty leagues and then you said – one or two redraft? One redraft. One redraft. One redraft. Okay. Yep. That's about where I'm at. I have four dynasty leagues, and then I have one long-time redraft with all my buddies, and then I usually do one through work too, so six. But I haven't mm -hmm. done best ball before, so apparently I need to – I have a lot of catching up to do to get up yeah. to your level, Brent. Colin, Colin usually joins me in, in a lot of the best ball leagues, so we have fun. Yeah. I think if I were looking to add any new leagues at this point, it would have to be something – you know, different than any of my other leagues. So, like, we've talked about doing a campus stand yeah. league or something like that. That I think, mm -hmm. it, yeah, it just have to be something different that would make me want to join another one at this point. 
Yeah, I, I don't think I'd join another regular dynasty league. I wouldn't join another Superflex, but I would join a campus to camp. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for uh, – hopefully that helps, Mitch, uh, on Twitter. Finally, before we go, Brent, I want to, unfortunately, we can do this real quickly, briefly recap the division preview poll results. So as you all know, as we did all our division previews, we put a poll on Twitter and everything was looking great after our last preview. I had two and a half wins. Brent had two. The guests had one and a half. I declared victory on Twitter. And Brent's like, whoa, 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 what about these other previews we did before you started posting the polls? And so I was like, okay, I'll post those. Just expecting, you know, obviously the people think I'm much smarter than Brent, so I'll win these polls and have an even greater margin of victory. Well, Brent fired up his uh, burner accounts. and oh, he, come on. <laughs> he managed to win the last two polls. <laughs> and as a result of that, took the overall victory on the division previews with four wins. Overall, I ended up with two and a half, and the guests had one and a half. It was a little unfair because a couple of those previews, including the last one and the first one, uh, we didn't have guests, so the guests didn't get a fair shake. They probably would have beat me if, <laughs> if they had been around. But congratulations, Brett. You and your burners won the competition this year. <laughs> we did it. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks to everybody who participated in those. That was a lot of fun going through all those divisions. And thank you to everybody for listening to the show. Uh, before I sign us out, Brent, do you have any – do you have a victory speech you want to give? No. Um I'd just like to thank all my fans, all all four of them. Um, you guys are great. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I think the biggest thing we need to look at is who won these polls or who won these things at the end of the year. So we'll, we'll see what happens at the end of the year. Yeah, I might get the last laugh yet, Brent. You might. <laughs> you might. I, th- I think Jim has us on, on the redraft sleeper in um, the AFC South. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see at the end of the year. That was I'm glad we did it that way. That makes it fun and it gives mm-hmm. us something to look back on, easily see how we did. With that said, thanks for listening, everybody. As always, if you like the show, it helps us tone if you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on whatever player you listen. Uh, we will have a new episode for you next week, and it'll probably be a preview of the first week of games, Brent, since we have football coming up, like we said, in nine days. Uh, so until then, thanks for being part of the Fantasy Players Club. On behalf of Brent Hud Hud Hikus, this is Levi Valentine signing off. See ya.
gonna I'm gonna talk you into doing a daily fantasy with me on on that Thursday night game. <laughs> All right, we'll see. <laughs> All right.